Yo, yo, what's good, everybody? This is the Sports Ethos Hornets podcast, and it has been a minute. I apologize for that. Um, had a move. It was crazy. Didn't have a computer. Then I did, and here we are. So it's been a, a crazy couple of months, um, but we are back um, off season, and what a time to really kind of kick it off. We're going to have some off-season content um, from a historical perspective coming up in the future, but right now it's all about the present and honestly the future. And that is because the Charlotte Hornets have secured the number two pick in the 2023 NBA draft. And, you know, yes, it's a one-person draft at number one with Victor Wiminyama, but there are plenty of other picks to be had. Um, and there's a curious debate at who's number two, um, at least one that I find interesting. And so I wanted to talk that out. Could think of very few people better than the person I have as a guest on today's show, Stephen Bagel. You can find him on Twitter at Bird's right, Bird Rights Pod. Um, if you've listen to my show you've ha- you've heard him quite a few times i've done his quite a few times i like to call us frequent collaborators but here we are um steven how are you doing today sir you know it's draft season it's the off season it's i don't want to say the i'll say that that is the best time of the year i mean that the trade deadline those a lot of specific dates in the nba for front offices like me that we you know just look forward to July 1st is one of them when, you know, free agency opens and the floodgates, you know, open up. So the draft, I'm a big college basketball guy. I'm just a hoop head in general. So the draft is my favorite night of the year because those are kind of where the two worlds collide in regard to the NBA front office aspect of everything and then my love for college basketball. So, yeah, I mean, the draft's only a few days away and I can't be more excited think for you it's like the perfect intersection you know between having that college um and having um like pro basketball and the coverage you do with both there's one time where all of it comes together in a really cool way so totally with you on that um with that being said before we even get started i mean before we get started on like the the selection the draft the before we get started on the decision that the charlotte hornets have i want to get your take on the charlotte hornets as they go into the offseason what are your thoughts on this Hornet squad that is just kind of there in the Eastern conference. So the toughest part about assembling a rebuild is getting, you know, a true centerpiece. And we saw this little bit with the Sixers when they were, you know, doing the whole process error, they were kind of the first team to really okay. Openly tank really. And they had Mike Carter Williams. He won rookie of the year. And then Sam Hinkie, quite frankly, said, you know what? This guy's putting up numbers because there's nobody else on this team. I don't think he's a legitimate building block. And they end up trading him for an unprotected Lakers pick that ended up being Mikhail Bridges, which, of course, we then flipped draft night for Zion Smith and everything like that. So I, I preface that to say that the Hornets have at least one piece in LaMelo Ball. Now, whether they use the second pick to draft either Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller, or they make a trade for, let's say, the Pelicans, which is obviously the speculation, they're going to get a second piece of a building block. And that's before, you know, you factor in Miles Bridges, which just from a basketball standpoint, I'm not going to get into the whole, you know, you could feel about him if you want, and it's completely justifiable. But from a basketball standpoint, he's definitely a building block as well, assuming, you know, he... It's strictly basketball and he could stay out of trouble. Quite frankly, they, they might get him on the bargain now because he was due to get a max deal and he cost himself millions and millions. Now, I, I think it's safe to assume the Pelican or not the Pelicans, the 
Hornets are going to re-sign him? Probably not for a max. So whatever it is, is probably going to be a value that he's getting. Oh, that they're getting him on, rather. So, I mean, you have the pieces. Gordon Hayward's expiring. Terry Rogier's a very movable contract. P.J. Washington. I, I think P.J. Washington's a pretty solid role player. And, you know, they, they have him, and he's a restricted free agent. Mark Williams might be the center of the future. Jury's still out. But nonetheless, I, I think the Hornets, obviously, they need to get a little bit of ping-pong ball luck. But they're, they're in a pretty solid position, I would say, right now. You consider, would you consider this team definitely on the rebuild? Um, because I don't know how you feel about building around LaMelo Ball. I mean, especially as we talk about this pick um, coming up in the selection they have with number two. Is it some? Is he a guy you look at and you go, you know what, Like he is a foundational piece of this team, or is he more like a main number two kind of ancillary piece that you look at when you think about LaMelo? Because all the other ones you mentioned, you know, a P.J. Washington, a Miles Bridges, um, you kind of know where they stand. You know what I mean? Um, and I think that's something we know. But, but LaMelo is the one person where I, I, I kind of vacillate between him being a formative cog of this team and him being a guy who is part of the next potentially, you know, good Hornets team, but not like the linchpin of that. So notice I said he is a piece. I did not say he is the centerpiece. You did not. I uh, did I hear mean, that. How many guys, you know, realistically could be the centerpiece of a rebuild? I mean, Joel Embiid was one. Um, and again, he has an MVP and debate that for another day as I'm a Sixers fan, but... It's tough to really be the young. Wemby is obviously going to be one. But, Corbin, what I want to do is, real quick, just to... I I preface that to say because I do think Scoot Henderson could be a legitimate centerpiece to a rebuild. I mean, Scoot Henderson is kind of getting the short end of the stick because he was born the same year as Victor Wembayama. Let's look back at the last 10 drafts, and you tell me... From the guys as prospects, not what we know now as NBA players, if you'd rather have Scoot Henderson or them, okay? I'm ready. Paolo, Let's do it. Paulo Bancaro wasn't even a consensus number one. That's I would, true. I think Scoot blows him out of the water in terms of the prospects. Okay. 2021, I, I, mm-hmm. you have Cade Cunningham. That's a tough one. I, I think mm-hmm. he's going to go well, Cade's been injury prone too, so it's like we haven't actually seen full Cade because but I'm he's been. What, what we knew of them as prospects. You oh yeah, what we knew of them as prospects, we were very high on Cade. So you're right, that's a toss up. But that shows that he's that's the type of realm that Scoot is in. That, that does. Anthony Edwards, I would have taken Scoot over Anthony. I wasn't. I didn't even have a number one that year. I was personally really high on Ant, but. I can understand the consensus was not, you know, it was kind of up in the air. There was quite a few of Mellow Ball fans like looking like, like I, I can safely know that I'm an outlier on this and am right there with you that it's, it's, it's totally, um, it's, it would probably scoot. Here's a tough one. Again, what they were as prospects, because I know this guy's missed substantial time. Okay. Zion scoot. That is tough. That is tough. I, I think Zion had more hype around him, but I think scoot's a better prospect. And Scoot's not getting the hype because he's in the same class as Wemby. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. Zion, yeah. I probably would say Zion's like the one who's just like the outlier because the contestants on him was so high. You know what I mean? 2018, I, I would definitely take Scoot over DeAndre Aiden, but I have yeah. Luka number one that year. I would have taken Luka over Scoot. Yeah, agreed on both. But Luka, again, that's mm-hmm. the type of 
this is just to kind of demonstrate. I, I know that for all we know, they could take Brandon Miller because for a while, apparently, they were leaning him. But this is just to show how how big of a prospect, how polarizing a prospect Scoot Henderson is. Mm. Marco Fultz or Marco Fultz s- was supposed to be a hybrid of James Harden and Dwayne Wade. And he I was. I know, and he had a lot of hype. I feel scoop, scoop, scoop. I feel like Scoot's a little different, but I could see it. I could see it. And the last one we'll do: Ben Simmons or Scoot? Oh, uh, people love Ben Simmons. I'm sorry, uh, Ben Simmons I, I think was. I, take I, I really do think I take Scoot. Wow. I mean, I am with it. Like I can see it. I wow. Yeah. I mean, so, I, yeah. So, again, backtracking here, I don't think LaMelo Ball could be the centerpiece of a rebuild, Mm-mm. but I think Scoot Henderson can. And as good as LaMelo Ball is, let's say, okay, I don't like the fit as Michael Jordan or Mitch Kupchak or whoever I am, mm-hmm. Clifford, I don't like the fit of LaMelo Ball. J. Cole apparently is there now, but mm-hmm. if I don't like the fit of LaMelo and Scoot together, which I do think that fit concern is a tad overblown. Mm-hmm. I don't think Melo precludes you from taking Scoot. I really don't. I mean... That's how, how Paul... I get it. I, on Goodrich's all the time, say you cannot have enough wing depth. They are the hottest commodity in the NBA. And Brandon Miller is a big wing who's going to be an elite shooter and a pretty damn good defender. Mm. But that Scoot Anderson is like prime Derrick Rose had he never got an injured type talent. That's yeah. Yeah, and, and he plays with more of a feel, I think. So, yeah, I, I do think Scoot could be the centerpiece. And I think him and LaMelo could coexist fine. Both of them could play a little bit off ball. LaMelo's more of the playmaker. Scoot is more of like the power, skill-type guy gets to the basket. Both of them could drive. LaMelo could shoot. Scoot dominates the mid-range. Uh, I, I think they work different parts of the court. They could both play off-ball, both play on-ball. Uh, I do think the fit is a little bit overblown. Uh, I, I just, I think when you're picking this early, you just take the best player available and don't think about it. And I think Scoot is... I know certain people have Brandon Miller number two, but I'm, I'm not a mechanic. Oh, that was my next question. Where do you fall in on the Scoot Brandon Miller? Well, you already explained where you fall in. Why do you fall in? Do you think that it's close, but you pick Scoot? Do you think it's nowhere near close and you're still going with Scoot? Like, kind of where are you on this debate? Is it even a valid one? Because I, I tend to think it isn't, but I'm curious. Well, Brandon Miller didn't help himself once, you know, he got off to such a scorching hot year. Obviously, we know the whole potential character issues with him supplying his teammate the gun who he used to commit capital murder. We know. That aside, he played through injury and March Madness and looked awful. But I'm not going to knock a guy because, you know what, he could have sat out those games and said, you know what, I don't care. I'm preserving my draft stock. I don't care about the national championship. He didn't do that. I'm not going to knock him for playing through an injury, trying to win a national championship. Mm. But I think it's the aspect of what I just talked about in terms of wings are such a hot commodity, especially a big wing like Brandon Miller, mm-hmm. that he's going to be an elite shooter. He's going to be a pretty damn good defender. He's athletic. Uh, 
He's everything you want in a wing. And Scoot Henderson is a small point guard. I think that is the debate that a lot of people are having. But okay, if that's the debate, then why aren't we putting Cam Whitmore ahead of Scoot Henderson at that point? Mm. I see what you mean. That's true. Why aren't we putting Saul Thompson ahead of Scoot Henderson? I mean, I, I just you have to draw on somewhere. And I think <laughs> if it weren't for Wemby, Scoot is a consensus number one. And this reminds uh-huh. me a lot of when Evan Mobley was the clear-cut number two behind Cade Cunningham. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, Houston said, we don't want the big man, we want the guard. And they took Jalen Green. Do you remember Is that going to him in the butt? Maybe. Who knows? We, we don't know yet. Jerry's still mm-hmm. out. But right now, that's looking like a bad pick two years in. Yeah. No, you make an excellent point. That is something I hadn't considered. And you're right. Like Some of it comes down to, I, I guess, the philosophy that you have right up before the draft like who is more impactful you know whether that is like you said you know a um a a, a guard or a center even if you have a consensus and and a, and a certain type of not even sure the word I'm looking for. Well, like, there's a, a proven school of thought, right, up to a certain point, and then a the front office decides to get kind of switchy with it. When you look at Brandon Miller as a prospect, first off, I, I want to get kind of your evaluation of him as a college prospect. Second, I want to have, like, where you have him in your personal, like, big board or, or tier. So, I'll pull up my big board while we're talking. Brandon okay, Miller good. actually reminds me very similar to Miles Bridges in a sense. I mean, Cam Whitmore is Miles Bridges to a T. That's what I was about to say, yes. But I'm just talking about in terms of like a big wing who moves well. He's a much better shooter than Miles Bridges is. Mm. But I I mean, that's the type of guy that I I think he would coexist well well if, you know, they bring a Miles Bridges type guy back. Now, here's a comp that I really like for Brandon Miller. Forgive me, I forget who gave it. I believe it was in the Ringer's draft guide written by Kevin O'Connor. I know Kevin O'Connor, people are kind of falling out of love with him now with his reporting. He has primed Danny Granger. Interesting. Which is a good player. Danny Granger was, a, I believe, a multi-time All-Star. I could be wrong. But I know he made at least one All-Star team. Yeah, no, Danny Granger did make an all-star team. Yeah, and I think he was, I mean, he's a solid player. He didn't, I mean, I guess I can see the same thing in terms of him, what he brought as an offensive off-ball score, what he brought as a, um, like, like kind of defender. You know, wasn't, like, really a defender, but he was somebody who could, like, guard his position. Um, yeah, he was a one-time all-star, um, most improved player in 2009. I mean, I, I definitely could see it. The, the dude, yeah. But dude it, averaged just under uh, 17 points a game over his career. But if we're talking about prime Danny Granger, prime Danny Granger probably ever to a 22-23 game? Yeah, prime Danny Granger, 25. Okay. 25, yep, 25 peaked out, 25.8. I that being the high-end range for Granger Miller. I mean, this guy can shoot any sort of way off movement, off handoff, off pick and pops. Um, Not the shooting. The issue really with him that a lot of scouts were concerned about was the finishing ability at the rim. He, I believe, at one point through, like, his first 12 games at Alabama was shooting, like, literally 32% through them. Like, something horrendous. <laughs> yeah. He really righted his wrongs. And the issue was with that, a lot of the shots, he just he was making them too difficult for himself. Once, you know, he kind of settled in, took higher quality shots, it just that kind of alleviated that issue. Kind of so, stayed, played more within himself? Yeah, exactly. Mm. So, I mean, I just think it's the whole aspect of 
another Indiana Pacer, let's say Paul George, can he be a Paul George type? If he can, again, that's a hell of a player. But Paul George, as we've seen, I love Paul George. I think he's a borderline top 10 player in the NBA. But I think Paul George has shown he's not the number one on a championship team. He needs to be the number two somewhere. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. And and, and when he's in a number two role, he thrives in that role. So, so I, I guess... Uh-huh. So uh, I preface that to say, I mean, I, I think Scoot Henderson is the polarizing prospect that could be that number one type guy, essentially. I mean, we're talking John Morant. We're ta- and again, I know that's a whole other story, but we're talking, as I said, Prime Derek Rose... That's the type of guy Scoot Henderson can be. If you surround him with the right roster, he could very well be the best player on championship team in six, seven years from now. Wow. And I agree. I my billboard, my billboard, my big board, mm-hmm. I have Brandon Miller number three, but I have usually how I do my big board, I rank them and I put them in tiers. I have okay. Vic in a tier of his own. Which I don't even have. I don't even have Vic as tier one. I just have Vic. I don't have a tier because, like, tier one, like, to me, Lamelo Ball was tier one. Kate Cunningham was tier one. Luca was tier one. Vic, I just have generational. I, I yeah, have he's out of this world, quite literally, almost. So I, I have Scoot then in tier one, and then I have Miller in tier two. My tier two. Is my tier one just to show you for reference? Is a super max or all NBA guy? My tier two is all star type potential, and that's why I have Brandon Miller. And I have Brandon Miller actually in a tier with four other guys in that tier, so I think he's closer to the rest of the pack than he is to Scoot. Okay, um, yeah, I I, I think that makes more sense. I, I really can see. Victor, head and shoulders, almost literally above the field, right? Scoot Henderson, right there, that next kind of pick. And then Brandon Miller, for me, I kind of have between third and fourth. I'm really high on Cam Whitmore as well. Um, but I agree. Like, I think that he's somebody – I mean, I don't know. I, I, I have to ask you this. Uh, with what he brings to the table, with his shooting ability, with his defense, with him, with him shooting a high clip in college, but also not having a lot of creation skills, showing a little bit of flashes here and there, I look at him as, like, he'd be a really good, like, upside player, like – like you said, a Danny Granger or a wing-type guy. I don't see like a Paul George, but that kind of guy. Or, and here's a take, I, I think it's a little bit of a hot take, but it's something I thought of. He could be like a Wesley Johnson type guy. Was Wesley Johnson a bust with the fourth overall pick? Yeah. I mean, so well... Wesley Johnson at number two? Huh? You said he could be a Wesley Johnson type guy, correct? Yes. Well, Wesley Johnson came in high, like, like I mean, the 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 the, the not the hype was what well, kind of was high on him coming in, from what I remember. And mind you, he did make the All Rookie Team, and he did play what ten he seasons? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he played from twenty ten through twenty nineteen. So you know, but I, I mean, at the end of the day, you looked at him as like I, I'm trying to find the cops for him now. The guy averaged seven points per game. Right, came in as a reputation of a being a three-point shooter, ended up with a career average of 33% from three. Never did find, like, and he didn't have it in college, but the hope was that he would have it in the, or get in the NBA. He wasn't able to create his own offense, right? 
Um, and so, you know, he was just like a standstill shooter who was kind of good, and he was blazing in college. Like, that's what kind of gets me, I guess, the same comparison. I guess that's not a great comparison, but the dude shot, what, in college his last year um, from three, 41%. Okay. Like, for... 2009, 2010, you know? So I don't know. Again, I, 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 I recognize that that is a bit of a hot take. I just am curious as to what is the worst possible outcome for Wesley Johnson. For Brandon Miller. I mean, for Brandon Miller, sorry. I was going to say the worst outcome for Wesley Johnson is probably Wesley Johnson. <laughs> uh, oh, boy. Brandon Miller actually reminds me, and maybe we could segue this into the trade talk for the night. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. He reminds me a lot of prospect Brandon Ingram in terms of he's not a good finisher on the rim because he just needs to develop more physically. But you clearly see he has the tools to be a multi-positional switchable defender. He can shoot almost any type of shot, again, off the dribble, off handoffs, um, off pick and pops. He, he has everything. He just... Maybe if he pokes up, then we're talking about a legitimate bona fide All NBA guy, mm. and that that very resembles what Brandon Ingram was getting Kevin Durant comparisons. I, I'm not putting Brandon Miller there, but I I do think maybe his best case is what Brandon Ingram is now, which is an All Star type guy. Mm. So, do you want to now segue that into these apparent trade negotiations where? The Pelicans are saying they want Scoot at number two, and they they are going to trade. I, I know Bill Simmons today reported that Zion's not going to be a Pelican come Thursday. Now, think what you want about Bill Simmons, but I, I do think he knows people. I, I do think he has sources. Wow, Shane, that is wild. James also um, said today the Pelicans prefer, prefer Ingram over Zion. Madness. <laughs> I just, when the Hornets are sitting there at two, and they see everyone wants Scoots, wants to trade number two for Scoots, and they say, no, nah, we want Brandon Miller. Like, don't you think something is off with that as an organization? A little bit. I see what you mean. A little bit. Yeah. You can definitely kind of, yeah. So, uh, let's discuss these trade scenarios. I mean, if you're the Hornets, would you prefer Brandon Ingram or Zion Williamson for the number two pick? Hmm. That's a good one. Um, I'm gonna say I must. If I would prefer, well, here's the thing. Like, if I'm, this is what makes it tough, right? Like, if I am, let me let me try to think this through here. If I am rebuilding, it depends on where you think the Charlotte Hornets are as an organization, right? Like, if I'm rebuilding. Zion, yes, has played like 112 games in three seasons, in four seasons. Jeez, Lord. (laughs) You know, like, yeah, like that's horrible, right? He, 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 you know, has been injury prone. Um, You don't see signs of him, I mean, staying healthy. You know, it's always been something that's lingered and lingered and a false hope of maybe he'll come back and then we see what happens, right? Like, that's what we've seen. At the same time, he's 22. And when he plays, the dude plays, right? Like, the guy, when he plays, is a solid athlete. Uh, What, over this past season, averaged 26 points per game on 60% shooting. 
with seven rebounds and four assists, knowing that he doesn't shoot the ball. You still can't stop him in the gravity gra he brings to the basket and the way he's able to finish and the point Zion that he's shown over the last couple of years. For his career, and again, not a whole lot of games, right? 29, 61, 24 over three years, but averaged 25 points per game, seven rebounds, 3.6 assists. If I want someone that plays alongside a Lamella ball, like, again, when healthy, a more dominant version of a Miles Bridges in terms of that rim protection, like, not rim protection, but rim attack, that vertical spacing, I like a Zion Williamson. Now, Brandon Ingram is great. Like, Brandon Ingram's my guy, but you also know what he is, right? He'll be 26 this upcoming season. He's entering his prime, and I, I think he's, he's, he's an all-star level player. That's great. Zion is as well, but Zion is younger. And I think that Zion brings more of a perfect mesh alongside LaMelo. Whereas if you get Brandon Ingram, like, that's great. And you have him for the next, like, three or four years. You know, take him through, you know, his prime. But at the same time, um, you're basically, in my mind, saying, because it's just a slight tier between the two of them, that we are moving ahead faster in our winning window. And I don't see the Charlotte Hornets doing that. I just don't see the, the blueprint there. I just think the Hornets are in a situation where they think they are essentially in a situation where they're going to get the centerpiece of the rebuild to complement Lamelo, no matter what they do, whether they take Scoot, whether they take Miller, whether they trade for Zion or Ingram. That's my opinion. I really do think they, they really don't think they could lose in this situation. But you have to be so calculated in the NBA to win a championship in every single move you make. Mm -hmm. You really got to value, okay, is it Zion not getting along with the front office and that's why he isn't in shape and as a result keeps getting hurt? Or like, is that something we could fix if he's playing for his hometown team and an organization he wants to play for? Or is this just who he is? I mean, look at Joel. Joel Embiid, I know he didn't have to switch teams, but he broke his foot and wasn't playing when he was doing the pre-draft process, missed his first year, re-broke his foot, his brother died. And then all of a sudden, you know, he, he played 24 games or 29 games, whatever it was, his rookie of similar to Zion. Mm -hmm. He figured it out. Same thing. Oh, he's out of shape. He doesn't care. Something clicked with him. He wanted it more. At least for the time. Then all of a sudden, he started his game seven, he doesn't want it anymore. Mm -hmm. But... You don't know. Zion could very well just not be happy. And maybe he has a little Ben Simmons syndrome in that regard. And if so, honestly, that's terrifying. Because I hope not. I hope like, not. I hope not too. But I'm saying in the event that he does, you think, okay, maybe we could get the Ben Simmons out of him by putting mm -hmm. him in a situation where he wants to ban. Or he could just, you know, follow the Ben Simmons blueprint and then that's horrifying. But the upside is there. If you could have a team of Zion, Lamelo, Miles Bridges, Mark Williams, Terry Rozier, PJ Washington, Gordon Hayward, I mean, that's a squad. That's pretty you good. Hayward, you flip his expiring into something. Rozier, you could flip into something. I mean, that's a that's not a team that's rebuilding anymore. That's just a young team working their way up. You have the pieces. You have the infrastructure in place. Rebuilding teams don't have the infrastructure. No. That's OKC's true. not rebuilding anymore. Orlando's no. not rebuilding anymore. Those teams have the pieces in place. True. True. So I, Charlotte, I, Charlotte, if they, whoever they get with the number two pick, whether they pick it or trade it, 
Mm-hmm. I don't think they're rebuilding anymore. Wow. Okay. I mean, yeah, if that happens, you're right. Uh huh. I was going to say, it wouldn't shock me outside of number one if any single pick in the lottery could be traded. Two through 14. Whoa. So is any this situation, pick. Well, the Hornets are clearly discussing number two. We know the Pelicans, maybe with other teams. The Blazers, we know, are willing to trade it to keep Dame happy. Maybe for like a Pascal Siakam, maybe for a Zion. Who knows? The who's already a four? I forget. The Pistons are at five. The Rockets at four. Mm-hmm. Assuming they think they're getting James Harden, I think they'd be willing to trade it. But yeah. it looks like James Harden is going to go there now. I know Real GM just tweeted before he came on that James Harden is likely to be signed in Philly. That makes sense, honestly. I thought the Houston was more of a smokescreen to get him more money. Uh, like, I agree. Yeah, I agree. it was just too much of a rebuilding process for James Harden to willingly go back over there at 34. Detroit people are talking about them being willing to trade at number five, which that's actually a little bit surprising to me. Mm. Um, yeah. Number six and 11, I think Orlando would be willing to at least consolidate or move up. So I, I don't think they're going to – I think they're going to be best in trying to move from six to 11. So those picks will be moved. Seven, we heard Indiana's trying to get a OG and a Nobi type wing. Mm-hmm. Washington at eight, I'm assuming, would want to move up now that they traded Bradley Beal. Utah has three first round picks at number nine. I think they would move up. Dallas, we know, with 10 is trying to trade. OKC, Toronto, New Orleans, I think any of them will move. So I just have to say the Hornets can kind of dictate what they do at number two, how the remainder of the draft is going to go. Mm. Like, mm. my money is on if they decide to take Brandon Miller number two. Zion Williamson is going to be a Portland Trailblazer. Whoa. I, is I this, think... this is some intel? No, I'm kidding. Uh, but I, I, it's, it, it's ag- more inquired. Don't, in- <laughs> don't aggregate anything I say, ever. Our NBA front office insider, listen, it's happening, all right? Before Thursday, no, I'm messing. But honestly, I mean, listen, I will say this about Steven. As, as, I'm joking, but, like, the dude knows his stuff. This is more of an educated guess, okay? Just yeah, educated ed- guess. Everything I say is more of an educated guess, but, I mean, we're, we're at the point where Chris Hayne, who people know is Damian Lode's mouthpiece, tweeted mm-hmm. yesterday saying, oh, Miami passed on Bradley Beal because they are under the assumption Damian Lillard is finally going to ask out. Chris Haynes and Dame are boys. You think he's, tw- he's just tweeting that out about Dame's consent or knowledge? No. Well, oh, if Dame Lillard is getting dangerously close to finally asking out, Portland's grasping for straws, whether it be them trading for Pascal Siakam, whether it be, you know, you know what, let's let's show him we're committed and let's trade this number three pick, which would be Scoot Henderson, mm-hmm. Zion Williamson. And let's trade the number three pick and let's trade Anthony Simons and let's trade whatever the hell else, whether it be a future pick or two, to get Zion. Wow. So let me ask you, what do you think the Hornets really do? Is it posturing that they're saying they want Ingram over Zion? I know you said you would prefer Zion. I just can't imagine a scenario where they're putting Zion on the table, the Pelicans, and they're saying, no, 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 we want Ingram. I, I, just, I just can't envision that. Yeah, I'm, I can't either. I, I feel like, I mean, obviously, so you prefer you prefer Ingram from what I see. No, like, I, uh, you I, prefer Zion. I prefer Zion as well. Okay. And again, I, I know all the talk I do about wings are so important, blah, blah, blah. 
But when we're talking about generational talents, like Scoot Henderson and Zion Williamson, I'm okay with not taking the one. Okay. There you go. So I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. Like, I... Okay. Mm-hmm. So I was going to say, let's try to construct a trade that would make sense. I'm pulling off the Hornets cap sheets. This is why I love having you on. The, the, the trade construction in real time is something special, y'all. You can't just pull up a trade so, machine and do it. Let's go with Zion makes about... He's, he's going to be in the first year of his rookie extension. So I think he's making about $35 million, let's say. Gordon Hayward makes 31. So if you just want to salary match that, you could salary match that. Mm. Scoot's contract, unless they did it 30 days after he signs his rookie deal, will not count as salary for purposes of matching. So let's say it ends up being Gordon Hayward, the number two pick. Hmm. Probably, I would still imagine, even though it's number two pick, might need to throw in a future first. Let's say... What about 27? I mean, they have five picks in the chapter. We're going to use all five of them. Let's say it's number two, number 27, Gordon Hayward for Zion. How close is that if you're the Pelicans? Number two, 27, and Gordon Hayward. I don't think the Pelicans won 27. Because they, they already have a roster crunch, but... No, but and, and, and Hayward, <laughs> although he's an injury risk, still a guy who can, you know, play different positions, kind of be like a point forward, definitely and comes to the shooter. Him. The Pelicans are going to get sneaky expensive with all the guys they have. Actually, and this never paid the tax In franchise history. Ever. You're right. You're right. I, you know what? I could... Hmm. This is, I like this. I could... I could well, see Pelicans, it. Pelicans also have 14, so I can't imagine them wanting 27 as well. So let's go with future first. Um, that might be even more, yeah, amenable to them. Or they could even just take that pick and trade it. But you're right, it might be better just to have a future first. Well, Hornets, 2024 first is lottery protected to the Spurs as well as 2025, 2020. So they can't, theoretically, the earliest they could make a trade of the first round pick is... 2026 with the condition that 2024 goes to San Antonio. If not, then it's 2027. Interesting. It's scary to be a team who's only made the playoffs twice ever or three times ever to give up a pick that far out in the future. Yeah, because you don't know where they'll end up. And I mean, honestly, you could look back if the Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson era ended now. It's not great, right? (laughs) But, uh, but I think that's the type of pick of what, okay, you're, we're talking Zion Williamson here. I mean, two years, three years ago, this guy was, you know, he, he was already locked into the Hall of Fame. Apparently. Yeah, so, yeah, face of the league for sure. One of those type guys. So I, yeah. I think number two, number two, that 2026 or 2027 first, widely protected, like I'm talking like maybe top five or so protected, mm-hmm. and Gordon Hayward a salary match for Zion. That would be good. I, it fits what the Pelicans, I think, would look for. I mean, you're not. I mean, obviously, you'd want to. I mean, that's a good package for him. And then you're in the number two. You take Scoot. That puts CJ back in his natural two guard role, right? More balance there. Puts Ingram more in his natural three. You play Murphy the four or um, Herb Jones. You have Gordon Hayward as well. He could play the four. Come off the bench, whatever the case may be. You know what? No, I would go for that. And let me ask you one more. Of course. Let's say the Pelicans, we know they're going to try to keep Ingram and Zion. 
mm-hmm. and they say, okay, we still want to go to number two. They offer you, let's say, number 14, and they have they have a crap load of picks still from the Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday trades. So let's say they go, okay, fine. For number two, we'll give you number 14. We'll give you Dyson Daniels. We'll give you... Would they be willing to give Trey Murphy? I don't know. But let's say, let's just. I would, I would go for him. I would go okay. for him if I'm Charlotte. So yeah. Let's say 14, Dyson Daniels, Trey Murphy, the Lakers first and 24 or 25, they could defer it. Yeah. In Milwaukee, either 25 first or 27 first. Probably 27 because you figure Giannis could be gone by then. Yeah. I, you know what? I mean, I still prefer the Zion package. I still do as well. Um, but if you're not super, like, if you're like, oh, I, if you're torn between Scoot and Brandon and you're like, hey, you know, I'd rather just kind of kick that can down the road in terms of getting some future first-round picks and some young role players that can fit in among LaMelo and these guys and upgrade even if it's, you know, just tangently, I, I, I would like that deal as well. That's what, two decent first potentially? See what the Lakers do. Um... I'm very high on Trey Murphy myself. Dyson Daniels still a young guy, multi-positional wing defender who has shown some passing chops. Didn't have the greatest year last year, but it was a rookie year. Um, and yeah, I that's decent value in my opinion for the number two, meeting my pick requirements and my young player requirements without getting that superstar that ideally I would want. But even then, like I said, with the Pelicans, it's kind of flawed either way because you're either getting like an older star, not older, but an Ingram who like, changes your timetable a little bit or a guy in Zion who would be a perfect fit if he wasn't injured almost half the year every year so I I, I still prefer the Zion package absolutely but you crafted a really good consolation package as well and then I saw on Twitter people talking about like a three-team trade in the events that what was it it was Charlotte moving back to three to get Brandon Miller Pelicans moving up to two and Trailblazers being the one to get Zion. And obviously hmm. the Hornets will get some kind of compensation for moving from two to three. But if Pelicans, or if the Hornets are pretty indifferent about who they want between Scooter Brandon Miller, I think that's an avenue as well. Yeah. No, I agree. And that's the thing. I know they were working out. I know there was reports that those two are working out again um, under Michael Jordan, who is hilarious case on the team, but he's still um, very much giving you know in, insight on this, on this selection here. Um, so I, I definitely agree. Like, if you're torn on it then yeah i I get another like i I would rather you get value that you can at least see and go okay i want this than take a pick you're not great on i still think scoot is the number one choice there but if you have to make a trade or if you're feeling like you're on the fence about it then i think you're more on the on the side of making a trade than not you know so i'm definitely with you on that yeah i mean this this is going to be very intriguing to see I, i have a friend who is a Pelican, or not a, a Hornets fan. I keep mixing them up because they used to be... Yeah, um, they used to be, yeah. New World, it was a New World of Hornets, uh, too, like in so 2002-2003. Yeah, they're trading with each other, and then they ended up being the New Orleans Hornets, and then they gave the name back. It's, There's going to be a podcast episode on that. <laughs> it's going to be a 30 for 30 one day. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And it's going to be have, a, a Sports Ethos Hornets episode for sure. <laughs> I, I have a buddy who's a Hornets fan. Mm. He won Zion. He's dead set on, yo, let's get Zion. F. Brandon Ingram, Zion is... Please keep in mind this guy's also a Duke fan. I know Brandon Ingram went to Duke as well. Mm, but yeah. 
He's to see bias his opponent as well. He's like, let me get Zion. Zion and Lamelo, you are cooking with fire. Okay. And he also wants screwed for what it's worth if they keep the pick. Wow. Wow. That is. And again, I, I do think the whole fit with screwed and Lamelo is overblown. I, I just think you take best player available and you figure it out after. Mm. That's true. That's true. I, I that think is a place, especially for a team that's rebuilding. To mm-hmm. accumulate assets, and you figure it out later, and just kind of go from there. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I'm going to close out by asking you this, and this is a more holistic view. I appreciate you taking the time and having discussion with me on some draft kind of prospects, a really f- couple of fun trades that we've done. What, in your mind, front office background that you have, the analyst eye, would you consider a successful off season for the Charlotte Hornets? I mean, I, I think they already had a pretty successful season just because, you know, they got the lottery ball luck. Yeah, yeah. But, uh-huh. I, I mean, I, I just think if they could form an identity, because they haven't had one in so long. Mm. I mean, they, they got Lamelo with three. Miles Bridges, are, they're apparently bringing back. They have the number two pick off some that's three building blocks that you have. Um, Mark Williams hopes to solidify the defense. What they need is they need shooting and they need defense. And they don't have many avenues to pursue that. So, sure, maybe you sign and trade P.J. Washington to the Pacers to get Buddy Heald that size. Just something. Older player, but more shooting. Yeah. Or throw your mid-level exception at a Max Struess. Um, something like that. I would love Grand Williams for them as well. If they could get in there. Seems like Grand Williams is Boston's willing to sign and trade him. It looks like he's heading to Dallas. Mm-hmm. Like a team like that. Um, I know Indiana desperately wants Harrison Barnes if they can't get number seven. Um, he's played for Rick Carlisle and he's played with Tyrese Halliburton. And they need wings that are Harrison Barnes' size. So yeah. I think that's something Indiana could do. Okay, fine. Let's. We strike down OG and Anobi at seven. Let's sign Harrison Barnes and take PJ Washington for Buddy Heald. And then, you know, you have Gordon Hayward's money coming off the books. I would even be okay standing pat. Gordon Hayward's money comes off the books next year, and then they're a cast base team next year. The issue is who wants to play in Charlotte? I mean, I'm trying to say that respectfully, but I mean, they're a smaller, they're a smaller market that hasn't had much success. No, you're, you're not lying, and, and they yeah, haven't they, been a Zion, market. If mm-hmm. they have Zion, they have Scoot, and then they have Lamelo, then all of a sudden people are going to want to go there. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. I think you, you give a foundation that would get uh, – I mean, look at how New Orleans was, right, before um, Zion, right? Zion got there. Then you have – well, I mean, New Orleans had a moment because, no, they weren't getting people in with Anthony Davis, right? They weren't. Then you had Zion get drafted, you had the Lakers trade, boom. Let a year or two go, see how they get together, and then all of a sudden, guess who's interested in being traded over to New Orleans? C.J. McCollum, right? So maybe you're right. You start with a foundation that leads to a player, whichever vet, going, you know what, Like I, I, I Charlotte would not be naturally the first choice, but like, I can see myself going there. And then like I can bring that, that leadership. I see two young guys or three young guys, whatever the case may be, that can relieve pressure off me. We could put it together and have a playoff run like the Pelicans did in 2022, where, yeah, they lost in the first round, but it's pretty solid, right? 
What do you think of like a again? Uh, Hornets have five picks in this draft. They're, they're not going to make five selections. They don't have room for five rookies. I, I would love at twenty seven mm-hmm. if they could. They have what twenty seven, thirty two, thirty nine, and forty one. I think it is. If they yeah. could move up like six spots to like the twenty, let's see who would be willing to trade down. Brooklyn has 21 and 22, but for that reason, I don't think they'd move down. I know Houston is trying to trade out at 20, but they probably wouldn't want to trade down. Um, Memphis doesn't have the roster. So that's the thing. There's not a perfect fit where, okay, let's move up 27 and 34 to, you know, move up to 23. I I don't see that scenario. Mm -mm. But what do you think for the Hornets like a He's Thibel. He doesn't address the shooting, but he addresses the defense. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I like Matisse. He did improve as a three-point shooter in Portland um, a little bit. I mean, it wasn't the greatest sample size, but he did improve. Uh, you know what he brings defensively, but I just feel like we're going to see more spacing around them. I just they, they play a traditional five, right? Um, you know, P.J. Washington can shoot the three. If they bring Bridges back, he shoots the three, but it's not really their game like that. Terry Rozier, LaMelo, who would be on ball. I, I, I would prefer more spacing. But if you got him, that is a, a wing defender you could have because Charlotte's defense was piss poor. So, Well, I, I think it depends what they do on draft night for me to kind of dictate, and maybe that's another episode for us to conduct. Oh, I'd be down for that, sir. Because if they have LaMelo and Scoot, you you have to, you know, you have Ruzio's $23 million. That's mm-hmm. something for him. I mean, he, he's so expendable at that point if you have Scoot and LaMelo. But if they have Zion and LaMelo, then I, I think you keep Ruzio. Yeah. So that, mm. that's where it gets difficult. I mean, I, I think if they get Zion, I would love if they were able to get like a... Jordan Clarkson, with the mid-level exception. Mm-hmm. Or Bruce Brown. He doesn't really address the shooting issue, but he's a Swiss Army knife, kind of do-everything type role player. Yeah. Seth Curry, Charlotte Native. I mean, there's options there. If they wanted to I like that, too. Dante DiVincenzo provides a little bit of both. They have options, is what I'm, you know, trying to get at. Yeah. So... It, it'll be interesting for sure, but that's the type. That's what I consider successful offseason: getting an identity, and it starts with signing veterans like that. There we go. Well, listen, Stephen, I gotta say thank you again for taking the time. We will have you on here, maybe a little bit after the draft, see what the offseason has shaken out for the Hornets, and get your your review on that. Um, but I want to thank you for taking the time. This was a lot of fun. As always, you learn so much from you and just the work you do looking at the NBA from a holistic level from the front office side. Really one of the, un- the undiscovered gems here in NBA Twitter. So thank you again for the time, sir. Um, listen, tell the good folks where they can find you and more of your work, please. You guys could find me on Twitter at BirdRightsPod. You can find my personal Twitter at the underscore NBA goal, N-B-A-G-E-L-L which is Bagel, my last name, B-A-G-E-L-L. You can also look at my, or find my work on YouTube. I, obviously, if you guys are listening to this, you probably want to know draft stuff. Hornets have five picks in this draft. I basically conducted, I went to the Portsmouth Invitational, which is basically a draft combine for NBA seniors, and interviewed eight participating players. By draft night, I will have all eight exclusive interviews with those scouting reports up there. So be on the lookout for that. Um, 
maybe you'll learn a thing or two about some of these guys, and hey, maybe you want to take one of them. So, or you know, with the extra two-way spot, all these guys are, you know, probably going to get the chance at least in the G League somewhere. So, yeah, Corbin, I appreciate you taking the time having me on, and yeah, thank you. Of course, of course, thank you again. Like I said, really appreciate it. Um, check me out on Twitter at Corbin NBA C O R. B-A-N-N-B-A. You can check out Sports Ethos Hornets. We have our own Twitter feed. We'll be a lot more active here this offseason on Twitter at Ethos Hornets. Pretty simple there, at Ethos Hornets, E-T-H-O-S-H-O-R-N-E-T-S. We will be putting on a special episode after the draft, probably the first thing the next morning, breaking down what the Hornets decided to do at that selection, um, whether they do pick Scoot Henderson, whether they go with Brandon Miller, whether they go with the wild card, or if we do in D.C. a Zion Williamson or uh, Brandon Ingram in a Hornets jersey. All that will be broken down the next day on the Sports Ethos Charlotte Hornets feed, so definitely make sure to check that out. But as I always say, every time I'm on live, for Steven, for myself, we are Frosty. Y'all stay Frosty, and I will talk to y'all real, real soon. All right, y'all.